because we're going to talk about walking in Jesus. How many of you know what a suspension bridge is? Most of you, if not all of you. Have you ever tried walking on a suspension bridge? Not one like the Golden Gate Bridge, but one of those old rickety ones like you would see in a jungle movie. They shake and sway, and you aren't really sure of your footing. Will you fall off? Will you have something secure to hold on to? And all this is before it begins to shake and shimmy. Well, this is no way to walk, is it? And it sure isn't the kind of walk God wants for us in Jesus Christ. God wants us to feel secure when we walk in Christ. See, walking in Jesus is very important to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and to us, his children. Therefore, we must learn as much as we can so our walk is not shimmying and shaking. The Apostle John tells us three things about our walk in Jesus from the first epistle of John, chapter 1. That's where our focus is going to be this morning. And the very first thing, as we jump into our sermon this morning, is this. Three things about our walk in Jesus. First, is we have prerequisites for the walk. I'd like to read this morning from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The first four verses of chapter 1, 1 John say, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The first things we can see here about prerequisites for the walk is in verses 1 and 2, we have eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts. Does Jesus exist? Is he alive? He walked on this earth before his death and after his resurrection. These people to whom John is writing probably had never seen Jesus or heard him speak. And John was a first-class eyewitness, and he was writing these Christians to give an account that from the beginning he heard Jesus speak. He saw Jesus perform miracles. He looked upon Jesus. Not only that, he touched or handled Jesus. Think about John. John's an amazing disciple, an amazing apostle. The things that John writes about. John writes a great deal in great lengths about the love of Jesus like no other apostle wrote or disciple wrote. But think about John heard the heartbeat of Jesus. He heard God's heartbeat. How do I know that? It says John's laid his head against the chest 
of Jesus in the upper room the same night in where Jesus was going to institute the Lord's Supper. Now, have you ever laid your hand on someone's chest and heard their heartbeat? How many of you have ever done that? Or maybe you've had a stethoscope at home. Maybe you listen to your own heartbeat or the loved one's heartbeat. Have you ever listened to a little child's heartbeat or let them listen to yours? Where am I going with this? Something about listening to someone's heartbeat draws you closer to that individual, doesn't it? To their life force. John knew what Jesus' heartbeat felt like. And here he writes about it, that they heard and saw and looked upon and touched him. In that verse, it says, looked upon us to view with amazement, like staring in wonder. Think of the things that John saw. John saw Jesus raise people from the dead. John saw Jesus, someone who had leprosy, Jesus touched them and it was gone. John was up on the mountain when Jesus talked with Elijah and Moses. John saw that. John heard God speak from the cloud about Jesus. And he is an eyewitness. Look how the apostles reacted to the situation with Jesus after the resurrection. I'd like to read there real quick from Luke chapter 24. Beginning with verse 36. Listen to this. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But look what happened. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. In other words, they thought they saw a ghost. Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why did, do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands. Look at my hands and my feet. Then it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And, and while they were still not believing for joy and marveled and said, have you, he said, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Look how they reacted. John's giving them encouragement, these people he's writing to, that Jesus did really walk and talk and live on this earth. He ate right there after his resurrection to show us he was still in the flesh. And we sometimes need to remind ourselves of that fact, don't we? Jesus was here. Not only that, Jesus went through uh, through the same things that you do, the same problems, some, same temptations, but he never sinned, according to Hebrews 4.15. Now that should give us hope, brothers and sisters, that when you're going through the things you're going through, Jesus went through them too. And he knows what we have to go through. Now, what you think about this? Because these are things we don't normally think about Jesus. We think about Jesus being God's son. But listen to this. You know, Jesus had acne. He knows what it's like for being a a teenager to have acne. He knows what it's like to go through puberty. He went through puberty. His body went through the same physical changes 
that we went through. You know, men, when your voice was that you know, real certain voice, and then you had a crack in your voice, and you know, the girls would laugh, and Jesus knows what that's like. Same thing happened to him. He was tempted to do wrong, but through everything, he remained obedient and never sinned. He knew what it was like to maintain the right walk with God. And we need to learn from his example and maintain the right walk in him. Prerequisite number two, our fellowship with God. Our fellowship with God there in verse three, as John said. Now that word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. It means friendly, familiar communion. It's a communication with God. With Jesus. And we're to have fellowship with each other. You think about when we have fellowship. Not guarantee you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to back, gather back here again for our, our uh, monthly fellowship dinner. First Sunday of the month. And you know one thing I've noticed when we have fellowship dinner? Everybody goes back there. And, and we gather around and we get the food. Real quietly. We get the food and then we all go and sit down at tables and you can hear a pin drop. It's so quiet. Right? Yeah. No! <laughs> you know what's going on? You guys are talking from the time Tom says amen till you get back there and then you're gathering around the food and looking at the food and hey, try this, try that. Let's do this. And then we're getting our food and we're, we're talking and everything and then it's time to sit down and we like to talk, don't we? When we sit down to fellowship around the dinner table and that's a good thing that's encouraging that's strengthening for god's children and that's what we're supposed to be doing god made it possible because we all have the same hope we've all obeyed the same terms of pardon we were all united with christ in baptism we put him on we have fellowship with him and each other because of the resurrection his love is demonstrated in that we have fellowship with him and share in that love. And John knew the believers to whom he was writing needed encouragement. He knew that. Let me ask you, do you ever need encouragement? Do you ever, are you ever going through a difficult time, maybe a stressful time, and you just need encouragement? You need somebody to say some good things to you. Here's the remedy for you. Write this down. Mark it on your paper. Keep in mind. So when you're going through those stressful times, you'll remember these things. It's very simple. I want you to read. It won't take you long. Read Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a great chapter of encouragement. Also, read the book, a whole book of Philippians. It's only four chapters long. You can read Romans 8 and Philippians. But those places will give you encouragement, strengthen you in your time of stress. When you feel like things are just caving in on you, it will help you, trust me. Because we all need to be encouraged in fact that we can have fellowship with the Father and the Son right now. Why? Because they love us. We are loved. When we were baptized into Christ, when we were immersed into Christ, God wiped away our sin and filled us with the Holy Spirit. So think of that fellowship we have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are loved. So we have our fellowship with God. 
we have count eyewitnesses. Number three of this first is the prerequisite is there for the fullness of joy. John tells us all these things are true so that we may have joy in our life. Not just joy, but the fullness of joy. Let me ask you, does the love of God bring you joy? Does the fellowship of God bring you joy? It should. You know, a great deal of personal satisfaction and spiritual pleasure comes from being instrumental in bringing lost men and women into the divine fellowship of Christ. My mentor Gary once told me, Tom, you can talk to 100 people about Jesus and they'll all reject. But that 101st person that you get to baptize into Christ and you'll be encouraged to keep talking and talk to another 100. And that's so true. When you see someone baptized into Christ, it should encourage us. Think about a young man named Jeremy who he wore inch-thick Coke bottle glasses and a perfect bowl haircut. And he knew the answers to everything and was the teacher's pet, which really upset the other children. And maybe you remember a kid like that in school. And one day, after an uncharacteristic absence from school, Jeremy showed up in class with a big grin on his face, wearing a goofy-looking Mickey Mouse hat. And the teacher asked Jeremy where he got the hat. And Jeremy said, yesterday I went to Disney World. And he was all excited. And the teacher said, really? Well, why don't you tell us about your trip to Disney World? Okay, well, I got to Disney World, and the first thing I saw was the parking lot. And that parking lot must hold about a million cars. I got on a tram that carried me around the parking lot until I got to the place where you buy the tickets. So I got off and stood in line. I bought a ticket and also bought this cool hat. And then what did you do, asked the teacher. Well, I got back on the tram and I rode around the parking lot some more. And that was really fun. I rode that tram all day. All day, asked the teacher. Did you go through the turnstiles and under the bridge to Main Street USA, Adventureland and Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and the rest of the park? And Jeremy thought for a moment. He said, no, was I supposed to? You see, Jeremy never experienced the fun of Disney World because he never went beyond the ticket booth. He had his ticket in his hand. He could have gone in any time. Instead, he settled for a ride around the parking lot, watching happy people come out of Disney World with smiles on their faces, but he never found out what they were smiling about. Well, you see, our ticket is Jesus Christ, and we have a ticket but some of us may still be riding around the parking lot feeling like you may be missing out on all that Christ has for you. You hear other Christians talk about the joy they experience as a follower of Jesus, but sometimes maybe you're clueless on how that happens. Don't settle, brothers and sisters, for merely watching other Christians experience their walk with God. Experience it yourself. If you don't have your walking shoes on today, I want you to leave here and put your walking shoes for Jesus on. Start walking your life like you know what you have in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus loves you so much, he died for you. Experience that love today. Because I've given you the prerequisites for the walk. Now let's get into the practical experience. Number two. The practical experience from the walk. Verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from him 
and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is the message heard from Jesus, declared to us, John said, that God is light and in him is no darkness. This message that John talks about is a threefold message. And now get ready, these points are going to come really fast. First, he says, we are to see the light. See the light. Number two, walk in the light. And number three, that fellowship is to be had with the light. Now I'm sure you agree God is light. The scriptures say it, we believe it. Quite simple. You know, we need not fear God because he is light. Many times people, especially little children, are afraid of the dark, aren't they? Now, it's not just children. I've known adults that are afraid of the dark. And we're told that we need not be afraid of God doing evil to us because God is light and in him is no darkness. Another thing to see is God is not hiding. God is not hiding. God has revealed himself to us in nature and in written word. There is no excuse. Enough light has been given for all we need to know about our relationship with God. You know, it's kind of like I talked about the wilderness earlier. Sometimes we just need to go to a quiet place, get away from everything, just you and God sit down and have a long talk. Take your Bible with you and read it and listen more to God's word and then bless maybe you talking to God until it's the time. Then let God know how you're feeling. You know, the simple thing is, God knows everything about you. You cannot hide a thing from God. But sometimes it just takes us getting things off our chest, if you will. Share with God. It's good for you. Isn't it? In other words, vent. Let it out. God, this is really bothering me. And let God let God know. Because he cares. I remember as a kid, I say a kid, I was a teenager, I'd go to grandma's house. Grandma lived out in the country. Grandma had a big uh, pine forest behind her house. And I'd play in that forest for hours. Doing nothing. I'd make up stuff. All by myself. But one thing I like to do in Grandma's house, Grandma lived up on top of a big hill. So I'd go out there behind Grandma's house on the hill, and I'd lay down in the grass. And I'd stare up at the clouds in the sky. And then somebody like my aunt would come running, and she'd say, What are you doing? I'd say, Nothing. Because I wasn't. I was just staring up into the sky. You know one thing I learned by doing that? How relaxed I would feel. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we just need to get away, don't we? As the, as the statement goes, just stop and smell the roses. <coughs> There's times we just need that. 
And I think that's one practical experience we can get from the walk. It's because Jesus is light. God is light. And because we have fellowship with God. God's never going to steer us wrong. In verse 6, John speaks on the Christian's lifestyle. Those who walk in the dark, he said, are not doing the truth. You see, I'm not saying do we hear the truth, but we're not doing the truth. In other words, we're not doing the things we should. Living the truth is doing the truth. We say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. John says we lie. In other words, do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now I want you to understand it's a great thing about that word cleanses. That word cleanses is a present active in the Greek, which means it's a continual process. We are continuously cleansed from our sin. And if that's the case, we can walk in the truth. A man and woman who walks in light as Jesus is in the light will spend his or her whole time in the awareness of an obligation to make his or her deeds match his or her words. In other words, we walk the talk and talk the walk. We'll recognize his need of divine cleansing and never think that sin does not matter. Sin matters to God. It should matter to us. And those who have fellowship with him are walking in the light as he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all our sin. Now I want you to hear that. Not just some sin, but all sin. And when we have fellowship with him, we are having fellowship with one another. They are virtually synonymous. As God fellowships with us and we fellowship with one another, we are strengthening one another as we are strengthened by God. I read a story of a young soldier and his commanding officer. They got on a train together. And the only available seats were across from an attractive young lady who was traveling with her grandmother. And as the four engaged in conversation, the soldier and the young lady kept eyeing one another, and there was an obvious mutual attraction. And suddenly, the train went into a tunnel, sending the train car in complete darkness. Immediately, two sounds were heard. The smack of a kiss, followed by the whack of a slap across someone's face. And the grandmother thought, I can't believe he kissed my granddaughter, but I'm glad she gave him the slap he deserved. The commanding officer thought, I don't blame the boy for kissing the girl, but it's a shame that she missed him and hit me instead. (laughs) The young girl thought, I'm glad he kissed me, but I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him for doing it. (laughs) And as the train broke into the sunlight, the soldier couldn't help but smile. He had managed to kiss a pretty girl and slap his commanding officer and got away with both. (laughs) And all that happened in the dark, didn't it? You see, it's hard to get away with anything in the light. And that's why so many people love the darkness. We need to stay focused about walking in the light and not in the darkness that we may have fellowship with Jesus Christ and with one another. And our third point is this. 
we have principles. Principles of the walk. I'd like to read now verses 8 through 10 and in verses 1 and 2 of the second chapter. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no, not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you, that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Principles of the walk is twofold. One is that we recognize sinfulness. We recognize sinfulness. Someone said the devil is an artist. He paints sin in very attractive colors. The key here is that you and I need to be honest about your sin and my sin. These people needed to be challenged to be honest before God. That's what John was trying to get across. Do you ever need to be honest before God? I think we all do. Remember, God knows everything anyway. You can't lie to God, so be honest to God and to yourself. By doing this, you will improve your relationship, one, with God, and two, with others. When you are honest with God, you will be able to withstand Satan and the doubts he places in your mind about your salvation. And that's a real key, because so often Christians walk around almost afraid in life. Oh, I'm not sure I'm going to make it to heaven, preacher. What's your problem? Well, you know all these things I've done? I don't know if God will let me in. Well, here you go. Be honest with God. Confess your sins to him, and guess what? We're told here, he'll forgive you. <laughs> you and I need not walk around this world wondering if we're going to get into heaven. We already have our ticket called the Holy Spirit. When we were immersed into Christ, I told, as I told you earlier, your sins were washed away. You were filled with God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's called our guarantee, our down payment. God's preparing a place for us right now. Like I've told you many times, I can't wait till I see my name on the door. My place card at the table. Because you and I need not be afraid. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth is not in us, John said. But we say he would not sin, we make God a liar. His word is not in us. In other words, we have sin, accept it. When we become Christians, it doesn't mean we'll never sin anymore. We will. But as John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're going to sin. We need not lie about it. Don't lie to yourself. It's going to happen. But confess your sinfulness and receive forgiveness. That's the real key. And how do we know we have forgiveness? It's because we have an advocate. 
one who pleads the cause of another or an intercessor. Jesus Christ is our advocate to the Father. He's the cover-up or the propitiation for our sins. And not just us, but the whole world. It says in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just outside of Anchorage, Alaska, there's a place called the Turn Again Arms. This particular area has one of the fastest tide rates in the world. The tide rushes in and out at about 10 feet per minute. And the water is so cold that if you got caught in it, you would die within a few moments. And when the tide is out, there's a huge flat area of mud. It looks like a great place to ride off-road vehicles. But this area called the mud flats, excuse me, it's not just mud, but it's also glacial silt. And when the tide rushes out, the water that is left settles quickly. And when it settles, it leaves air pockets, and those air pockets form vacuums. And you never know where they are, and they are never in the same place twice. And if you step in one of them, it will suck you in, and you can't get out. It's not exactly like quicksand, but more like super glue as it locks you in. And in the summer of 1991, a couple who had just gotten married decided to spend their honeymoon in that part of Alaska. And they went out riding ATVs and decided to ride around on one particular mud flat. And the bride's vehicle stalled. She jumped off to see what the problem was. And she jumped right into one of those glacial silts and sank up to her knees. And she struggled to get out. She sunk down to her thighs. And her husband rode up on his ATV. And she warned him not to get off the vehicle. People on the road above them saw what was happening. They called for help, yelling at the man not to get off his vehicle. And within moments, the fire department arrived, and they tried to blast her out of the mudflats by using water hoses. But it didn't work. And then they brought in an Army helicopter from the Air Force base. And they tried to pull her out with rope and a harness attached around her waist. And the helicopter pulled her uh, legs out of joint. She dislocated her legs. And they knew if they pulled any more that they would rip her legs from her body. So they tried to put a wetsuit around her, thinking that when the tides came in, it would keep her warm. But they could only get the wetsuit around part of her body, and when the tides came in, she died while her husband helplessly watched. <clears throat> this tragic true story illustrates what sin is like. It looks so good. It looks so inviting. You see it, and you just want to get out there and have fun. But it turns out to be glacial silt. It sucks you in and ultimately ends up taking your life unless you do something about it. Admit your sin and ask for God's forgiveness. And if we admit that we sin and we will confess them to God and seek forgiveness, there's no doubt that God will forgive us. These are some awesome promises that we have from God. If we are honest with God and ourselves about sin and our walk in Jesus. So let me ask you. Once again, why walk in Jesus? I think it's quite simple. Because Jesus walked for us. Jesus walked for us. We all know too well John 3.16, which I think is often misunderstood. When it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says something there about God, doesn't it? For God so loved that he gave. And who did he give? He gave his son who came here and for 33 years walked sinlessly amongst the people to only walk up that hill of Calvary and die on a cross. John says in John 15, 9 through 14, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you, Jesus says. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Because greater love has no one than this, than they lay down one's life for his friends. You see, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Walking in Jesus for one another because of what Jesus did for us all. Our hymn of invitation this morning is Room at the Cross for You, page 381. But I want us to think on that for a moment. many people that Jesus walked for who have rejected him? A huge amount. Jesus died almost 2,000 years ago. How many people have come and gone since then? Well, they may have heard about Jesus, but they weren't interested. But he still walked up that hill to the cross for them, didn't he? You and I will never know that many people. Not in our lifetime. Not in a hundred lifetimes will we ever know how many people have turned away from Jesus. For various reasons. The point is I'm making here is this. All of us walked in here today. Why are we here today to hear this message? For some of us, because we've been Christians, we need to be encouraged sometimes by sermons like this to remember what we have, to be encouraged to keep walking. You saw Satan out there, he's trying to get us to quit. So we might need to be encouraged. Some might have been on the the path with a lot of stumbling and they need that strength to know there's people that understand and that God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on him. Then there might be somebody here who still hasn't given their life to Jesus. Maybe that's why you walked in here today. So you know that he walked that hill for you. And that you, by faith, can receive that plan of salvation by repenting of your sins as a turning away from all that sin in your life that want to walk in Jesus' way. Confess the name of Jesus. Just Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then be baptized, immersed, buried with Christ. Where Christ removes all your sin of your past. 
and you're raised to walk in newness of life, God fills you with His Holy Spirit. And then as you walk faithfully the rest of your days, God is there with you in that walk on that road. There's room at the cross for you. Page 381. If you have a decision to make for Jesus, I invite you to come this morning. And we will talk some more about the wonderful grace of Jesus. today is to us and for understanding more about our walk with Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we'll understand some days it may be difficult to walk in Christ, but we're never alone. Jesus is always there with us and he understands. And the Holy Spirit's with us and he truly understands as well. So we thank you, Lord, that we're never alone and we always have each other. May you watch over us today, keep us well and safe as we go from this place. We rejoice for all your blessings, Father. Praising you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from our evangelist, Tom Schof. Our prayer is that each of you, after hearing the truth of God's word today, have been encouraged 
enlightened and challenged by the truth of the gospel message. Our prayer is that each of you will know Christ in a very deeper manner by hearing these messages. And should you have a question concerning your faith, your trust in God, your relationship, even your salvation, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.chieflandchristianchurch.org. That's www.chieflandchristianchurch.org. Or you can email us at ccchiefland at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to get back with you. Don't forget this message has been brought to you by Anchor FM, the free platform that is designed to make it simple and easy for you to create your own podcast just like this one. Anchor FM. You can download it today at their website, anchor.fm, and enjoy this exciting new platform.